Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Michael, and I am with... Oh, dingo. And... Fricka, 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 trip, Turlington! And... Tony. Tony. <laughs> just Tony. He's like Madonna. Just a share. Just Tony. Prince. <laughs> this is the Passionate DJ Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be back. Yes, and sir. And we are going to be talking about habits, DJ habits, and ones that we wish we had sooner than now. Uh, before we get into that topic, uh, there's a couple news items I want to talk about. The one that really caught my attention, which I haven't really had a chance to look into and see what the the nitty gritty is, right. is I heard something about SoundCloud and allowing DJ mixes now. Yep, apparently. Is that real or is that just some clickbait I saw? Uh, no, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got the article pulled up here from Dancing Astronaut, uh, so I'm just going to read it and, and we'll, we'll okay. dig into it from there. Because sure. same with me, I was doing something else, reading something else, and then I saw in a passing headline and I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> so, so, add to reading uh, list. I'll check this later. Right. I must know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so it says here, in a recent interview with the German music publication Groove Magazine, Eric Walforce, uh, founder and technical manager of SoundCloud, announced a piece of very great news for DJs who want to upload D- DJ mixes to the site. Anyone can now post DJ mixes featuring other artists' copyrighted tracks without obtaining the rights beforehand. Uh, here in quotes, it says, During the negotiations for SoundCloud Go, we achieved agreement with collecting societies like GEMA in Germany, making, those, making these problems a thing of the past, even for users who did not, do not subscribe. This means that DJ mixes are now legal and problem-free on SoundCloud, so this is a very positive news for DJs. Uh, the popular streaming site recently implemented SoundCloud Go, a new paid subscription service created in order to compete with the likes of Spotify and Apple Music. Prior to this feature going live, the negotiations between SoundCloud and larger record companies had not gone over all that well, resulting in the labels as owners of the large chunk of content on the site, forcing SoundCloud to remove all DJ mixes and remixes that did not have the appropriate rights. The road has been rocky for the young company as they had to deal with multiple controversial decisions, such as the one described above. I'll say. What? I'll say. (laughs) Right. Uh, Which ultimately forced the takedown of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of tracks. Thus, this news comes as a relief, not only for the company itself, but for the multitudes of producers and DJs, large and small, who prefer SoundCloud over other streaming services. So my my initial visceral reaction is is this too little too late like right because Everybody now there's elsewhere. yeah because yeah, now a lot of people have flocked over to Mixcloud Apple's doing their thing Spotify is doing something like everybody's really trying to compete and jockey for that kind of position that is friendlier to DJs um, and for all the you know issues with Mixcloud, I think a lot of people did end up fl- going that route, even though you can't download from the site or uh, rewind. You can fast forward, but you can't rewind. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. This is a really great thing. But SoundCloud yeah. has had nothing but problems in 2016 um, and even before that. Um, I mean, it, 
even though we utilize it as our hosting service, I mean, but you know, when it comes to, you know, DJs, DJs really helped build this platform and they've really got a bad taste in their mouth as a collective yeah. uh, because of all of the things that the labels have forced SoundCloud They're to do. They're smart to address that market segment for right. sure. Absolutely. But yeah, like you said, is it too little, too late? And what I want to know is w- what changes are they going to make to the platform that will allow them to say that it's okay for us to upload DJ mixes? Right. Because, for example, MixCloud doesn't let you download... Um, you know, they, there's there's always some kind of there's some way that they're getting that legal status fixed. So right. what's the catch? Right. Um, not saying that it's going to make it unusable or anything, but I want to know what it is because that could be a make or break thing. You know, are yeah. you just implementing ads? Are you just you know like what? Are you disabling downloads? Right. right what's right, right. what's the 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 situation there? Uh, the other is. Um, uh, how are they going to, where do they draw the line between what's a DJ mix and what's not? Because now they're giving us a loophole. And so now we're like, yay, now I can just make a mixtape that has five second silence gaps in between and has a whole bunch of other people's songs on it. And people can just download the whole thing and slice it up. You know what I mean? So there's, there's easy ways to game the system then. So, or you could, who makes those decisions? Right. Or you could go the girl talk route and make an hour long, you know, mix of, Mashups, you know? right? What's, <laughs> to make it so unrecognizable, right? What's the detection algorithm exactly. going to do when it finds a DJ mix or a mashup or an unlicensed edit versus how does just it a de- remix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah or, how does it or determine rub or whatever you know, yep. people are calling that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm excited that they're addressing it finally. Um, finally, finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What was that again? Finally. finally. <laughs> Um, and then I saw some news about SFX maybe like coming back from the grave and, and not being bankrupt or restructuring or something along those lines. So oh, yeah. are they coming back doing the same thing, the big festivals and all that? Or what's the story there? Do yeah. we have a headline or a, an so, article? Um, this one, uh, I, I actually picked the story up from the New York Post. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a little bit longer than the last uh, thing, but... Um, the 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 thirty thousand foot view is that so we all know that SFX uh, under the control of uh, Sillerman um, was um, this huge infusion of corporate cash that like took over Beatport and created all of these like big festivals invested in existing festivals and just turned the term EDM into a household genre and. Um, you know, it, it's it's been such a, a big thing that it, the word bubble has been floating around it for a long time. And as uh, some people had predicted or had uh, as some people really didn't want to have happen, uh, that bubble burst for SFX and they ended up having to go into bankruptcy. Uh, so they filed Chapter 11. And according to this article, it looks like. Uh, they have successfully maneuvered through Chapter 11 and are now totally debt-free. So that's that's a good sign right there. Um, and instead of Sillerman maintaining control, uh, now they've got a new CEO, uh, Randy Phillips, uh, who's from AEG. And, you know, so that puts a new face, 
you know, at, at the at the helm of of control of this thing. Does Randy at least know what EDM is? Uh, <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, shots fired! Oh, snap! Um, so I, I, I would assume so. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, a, a, among other things, he, uh, is involved, uh, has been involved with Coachella. So, and okay. I know that Coachella has, uh, touched, you know, around the, around the edges of the, of the EDM yeah. market too. So, um, on top of that, they also changed the name. So a little bit of rebranding never hurt anybody. <laughs> you know? Um, so instead of SFX, now it's called uh, lifestyle. The lifestyle Inc. Lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, in in changing the name, giving it a new a new face at the at the head of everything, and coming through with a with a, a zero balance, and you know, I I've got some high hopes for what's left of this. And it, I mean, if you're coming back into the fold and you've got basically a blank slate. And it's a public, it's a publicly traded company. So if you can, you know, convince, you know, the, the public to, you know, put their money back into this thing, you know, hopefully it can, it can be what it should have been. You know I mean? Cause <laughs> I mean, I mean, when, when, I mean, what did Silverman come out of this with or come into this with like 260 million from an, uh, from the IPO? Yeah. A lot like, of nickels. Yeah, I mean, 260, give me half of that and I'll build something awesome. You know, like, give me a quarter of that. Let me show you what I can do. Like, you know, and, and I'm not even a, a guru, but I at least know what EDM is. <laughs> but, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so at least having somebody who, who at least may understand the culture a little bit better and yeah. you know having you know i keep coming back to that no debt on their balance sheet and and being able to you know rebrand and, and come back round 2 right right now hopefully <laughs> um it's not going to be what the sfx era was which i think was you know an era of excess like you know everybody saw 260 million from an ipo and there's all of these millions of dollars going towards all of these you know festivals and shows and how can I get some of that? How can I get some of that? You know, and I think it was like when MC Hammer got paid and he just went, <laughs> went <nuts. Yeah. laughs> what, do you, what do you get paid for? I just get paid for standing here. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I, what I would really hope is that this gets managed a lot better. I think that's what it boils down to is, is management of it all and trying to find some kind of an equilibrium in, in, you know, a capitalistic society that we are like, Getting it, being able to negotiate some prices down and 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 really try to you know be a lot more responsible with the money and and the and the scene as a whole. I'll agree, though. I will throw in that for all we know, this could have been the plan the whole time because that's just how big business sometimes operates. Sometimes operates. You know, they yeah. just, hey, let's blow it up as much as we can and and you know take what we can out of it for all right. it's worth, and then when the time comes, we'll just. Well, not to Reboot, get, you yeah, know? <laughs> not not to not to get into any kind of level of politics here, but you know, at least if anybody's even remotely outside of the U.S. is even remotely familiar with our president-elect, you know, that's one of the things he's kind of notorious for is, 
you know, uh, we buy things up and then if it's failing, well, okay, then just, you know, run Liquidate it into the ground yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and sell off and, and, you know, do whatever it takes to make the right money. So, yeah, I mean, it very well could have been the, the plan the whole time. Yeah. See how big it can get, run it into the ground and then, you know, reemerge and. Oh, now we know. <laughs> we know where the tipping point, know where the tipping point right. is. Right. I mean, you know, it could be a very simple economic thing, you know, yeah. riding a wave or, or creating your own, you know, um, you know, economic ebb and flow and who knows, but yeah. Yeah. I think you uh, maybe had a shout out that you wanted to give for a slash announcement. Yeah, I did. Um, so the resident advisor DJ poll, uh, 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 a lot better poll than some. Uh, right, right, right. Um, so, um, uh, somebody that I've, I'm, I'm, I'm an acquaintance of and, and somebody I used to share stages with back in the day, uh, Maria, AKA, uh, back when we used to share stages, she used to go by the name Foursquare. Now she goes by black Madonna. And, um, I'm, I'm happy to report that, uh, she had posted not too long ago that she actually broke the top 10 hey. in the resident advisor DJ poll. Right. So you know, this is, yeah. Yeah, knowing Maria, um, you know, from back in those days, like she, she's, uh, she's a hustler, like, and she, you know, she, she definitely knows how to, how to work a crowd and she knows how to do the damn thing. And, um, you know, she's, she's been doing it for a long time and doing it hard. So, uh, congrats to her. It was well-deserved. Awesome. Very nice. All right. And, uh, we have a comment as well from, uh, uh, virtual identity and this was left on our, uh, so we had episode 69 and 70, which were essential tips for new DJs. And this is what they say. Hey, guys, just started listening to the show and really enjoy it. This was a great episode, and I wanted to add a thought based on my own experience. This may be obvious, but don't rely on feedback on your sets from your friends and promoters that are booking you regularly. Nobody wants to diss their friend because, well, that's their friend, but it can do a lot more harm than good. In my case, I had been promoting for a while before I started DJing. And thanks to being friends with other promoters, I was getting regular bookings almost immediately. I was lucky enough to be approached by another DJ I wasn't really friends with who noted that they really liked the tunes I was playing, but a lot of the mixes were dodgy. I think the exact phrase they used was, you had a lot of nice saves. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was somebody being nice. That's uh, very my, polite. Right, right. My EQing was way off and I was pushing the gain too much. After that, I was extremely embarrassed and kind of angry. Why would my friends always tell me I sounded great? I'd been carrying myself as a, hell yeah, I'm killing it, I'm the shit, when in reality, <laughs> I was just shit. I wound up turning down bookings for a good six months to tighten things up, and in the end, it resulted in more bookings, better bookings, and better times left. Good for you. Let me just, I mean, seriously. You can speak directly to that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just flat out, like, that, 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 that anger you know, does something to different people. And for some people they get even more angry or they, or, or they take it personally and then they like really want it. So then, you know, it would have been very easy for him to have looked at this other DJ that was like trying to give him some constructive feedback and, and, and just be angry at him. Like, well, he doesn't know what him what he's talking about, or he just has it out for me or, you know, whatever. Like there's being you know, dismissive. Yeah. And, and, it takes a special type of uh, mindset, I think, to be able to be 
open to constructive criticism. It's the reason why nobody tells you you suck, (laughs) you know, because nobody else likes to be told that they suck. And and it's not that you suck because you inherently suck, but, you know, you may have some things that you need to work on. And if you are open to that constructive criticism and and feedback from people, then you don't have to get angry. You can say, oh, you know, yeah, that might be something that I need to work on, or that might be something that, you know, I can integrate, or maybe I can start a relationship with this person so that I can learn from them and maybe I can teach them something. And then we both get better together. Like that, that, that right there, like, especially for me in the producer community, that's the worst thing ever is trying to find, and and I'm sure it translates easily over into the DJ world, but you know, when you put together a mix or when you create a track and then you send it out to all of your friends and you say, hey, what do you think of this? And everybody wants to, you know, pat you on the back and everybody wants you to, you know, feel like you're doing something great. So then everybody says, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. But in all reality, when you put that in front of somebody else who doesn't have that connection to you and you get that constructive feedback, it takes a little while to get adjusted to constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. But when you do, that's the way you get better is by taking like, it's one thing to be told that you suck and this is fucking stupid. And dirt, dirt, you know, like there's people out there that are just mean and negative and yes, fully just dismiss that kind of crap. But if somebody comes to you and says, you know, have you thought about doing this with your EQing or have you thought about, or, you know, I heard there were some places where your phrasing is off, Mm. you know, and, and things like that, you know, then that allows you to start a dialogue and say, Oh, well, you know, do you have any resources I should look at or any tutorials or can you show me how to do They may not even know that. Right, right, right. Exactly. And when you're giving feedback, one, you don't have to be an asshole about it. Right. Be constructive. You know, don't just go up there and say you suck like Tripp said. Say, you know, I mean, even if you're going to use those types of, you know, words, it's like, hey, you suck, but here's how you can suck less. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Throw some, throws a little sarcasm and humor into it. Sure, sure, sure. It depends on your relationship to the person. Well, and that that too. We can do that to each other in here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We can do that in this room, but don't don't just go up to a total stranger and tell them why they suck. But um, also, when you're getting that feedback, making sure that you're clarifying what it is they're telling you. And as the person giving the feedback, you don't know necessarily what their cap- what their skill set is. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, maybe they never learned how to use a filter, right. or maybe they never learned about EQing or you know, uh, mixing in key and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, be be constructive and be supportive with your feedback. Right. And sometimes, I mean, a subtle difference in how you say it goes a long way. Like you might say, you know, what would be cool instead of like. This is screwed up. Here's what you should do. Like, I don't like you should do this. I don't like that kind of wording because now you're criticizing my artistry, not you would suck something in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking kind of from the other side of that, uh, I think probably why people tend to do that tend to just give you fluff as feedback is because they they don't actually realize or think that you want constructive feedback they just right. want a pat on the back and i think that probably the reason they think that is because it's probably true a lot of the time mm. and so be very clear that you're looking for constructive criticism right 
when if that's what you're looking for and be prepared to hear what they have to say yeah as well. it, so i've i've carefully crafted <laughs> a script <laughs> uh, uh, no a very a very tight knit group of people that i know i can send tracks to and say why does this suck <laughs> no, yeah, right i mean it, it, to this point like they know me well enough that if i say hey Tell me what you hate about this, yeah. you know, and, and they understand where it's coming from. But it took a long time for me to start with this wide net of all of the other producers and DJs and people that, you know, I know are passionate about music and throwing my tracks and all that stuff out there to them and saying, you know, here, what do you think of this? And then getting, you know, 50. Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, get those back. But it's the one or two people. And then, you know, I think I've got myself up to about a half a dozen people now uh, that whatever I throw out at them and I say constructive feedback, constructive. Yeah. You know, throw me throw me your criticisms. I want to hear criticisms. Yeah. If you tell me it's great, I'm not going to believe you. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you're on the receiving end of that request, right. um, just take into consideration, it takes a lot of personal courage for someone to just give you this raw product and say hey i need you to tell me how to make this better right so be thankful one that they even asked you for you to lend you your expertise you know that they value you as a as an expert or a, you know of some sort in that particular area and do them the justice by giving them the honest feedback that they're looking for yeah agreed so great comment from virtual identity appreciate yeah. that yeah um we're gonna move into our main topic which is habits that we wish we had sooner um I'll go ahead and throw one in right off the bat, and this is one that I've talked about before. And and the way I kind of approach this with the items that I was thinking about is um, it's typically habits that I have now, mm. not that I wish I had. Mm. You know, So it's, wow, life would have been easier if I'd done this sooner kind of thing. Um, I'm sure we'll probably get a little more loose with that definition as we go on and, and say habits we wish we had at all. <laughs> that's also relevant. Discipline. Um, um, but for me, it was the, uh, when I'm playing, using, not only mixing in headphones, but using a, like a Q-mix blend. So uh, what that means is, you know, for some of our uh, DJs who might not be familiar, rather than, so a lot of people, I think maybe all you guys, mix with like one of your earphones on and then one ear tuned into whatever monitor you're listening Correct. to. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um I tend to mix in the headphones but um not so some people use what's called split cue and that's you mm -hmm. get one signal on the left and one signal on the right. Yep. I use a blend of what's going to the house sound and what I'm cueing. Yep. And the reason I do that is because I love being able to fade between them with mm -hmm. using a cue mix knob that brings it, you know, it fades between what's cued and what's, what's actually going to house yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, A, I can kind of keep an ear on what's going on outside of my headphones if I am mixing that way. Yep. Um, and B, it helps me during the kind of phrasing and or, uh, phasing and beat matching kind of process because... I can bring it in just enough to where I can hear it, then I can fade it out and be like, wait, am I hearing the hi-hats from the outgoing track or the incoming track? And sure. I can kill it for a second and make, oh, that was the incoming track, and then turn it back up. So I, I like being able to switch back and forth with just one rotary knob yep. like that. <clears throat> and I mean, that I can mix on anything like that in any room like that as long as I have that functionality. Oh, yeah. The, the DJM 500 did not have the split cue. Right. And that was my first 
Pioneer mixer. And while it was great that it had the big orange button, you know, <laughs> flange everything. But, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that later. But, <laughs> um, uh, but when the 600 came out, and that's where they introduced the Q-Mix, that was gold. And that's when I picked that habit up. I almost picked it up immediately. Yeah. Because that was always a struggle for me with the 500 or any mixer that didn't have that functionality because yeah, while you're one headphone on and one off, if you've got a poor monitoring system or if you don't have a monitoring system at all, and then you're going off of the house sound, the only option you have is to put, you know, both channels into your queue. And then, you know, the only way to simulate that is to turn the gain yeah. on the track that you're trying to queue in Up like ridiculously yep. That's what loud. I used to do. I would use yeah. the gain knob for that function yeah. on, and, on my 500. Right. And, and that was, that was a real aggravation because sometimes if you didn't turn, if you forgot to turn the gain <laughs> back down or if that's where your ear got adjusted yeah. to with queuing and then you start bringing it in, well, when that comes in it's and loud. it's over the loud, right. over the, you know, the main, well, then yep. all of a sudden this track is not being blended. It's coming through like a freight train. Like <laughs> Plus so. those, those 500s and 600s, like they, they had kind of a weird gain staging thing where you had like an attenuator on the back. Remember right. that teeny yep. little knob on the yep. back? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so depending on how that was set up, how you're, like if you're playing in a club, how you're front of house was set up and all that stuff you know your your master volume on the mixer itself might be like one little notch up and it's Mm -hmm. blasting (laughs) or you might have to crank it you just don't know what it's going to be when you get there and that's a really unreliable way to do what i'm talking about because if you have your it's going to base that cue bus that you're so what you're cueing in your headphones it's going to base that on whatever the fader levels are on the the top of the board right and so if you've got just one little notch of master volume you're going to barely hear that in your headphones no matter what your other settings are right and so it really becomes a pain so when they start you know when you have the actual knob here's master here's Here's cue cue. right then it's always an even signal from both sides and I, i just i love that that's if I can help it, that's the only way I mix. Yep. And that's why you'll see whenever I'm transitioning or something, I'm always like twisting the yep. knob on the left side, going back and forth. Well, yeah. yeah. Or, or what I, what I really like to try to do is find the sweet spot or as close yeah. to a sweet spot. So then like, if I, if I do need to like hear one over the other, it's just, you know, I'll just, you know, tweak it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also handy for a situation when you're bringing in a track that starts out way more minimalistic than what's playing, what's playing and you can't yeah. even hear it at all. Right. Then I can kind of almost kill the main for a second yeah. and hear, oh, okay, it's that one little yep. rim shot or something that I can pick up on. And then I can just bring in the master a little bit right. so I can hear where it's going. And, and then know. as you're mixing in, then, you know, bring in more of the master. And then once you've got everything going at yep. once, yep, yep. I'm with you on that one all together. Habits, um, habits, anyone? Mm, uh, one that I wish I had sooner, one that I wish that I could uh, add. <laughs> um, when I play a lot, I don't really look up at the crowd. Yeah, that's I'm the same way. Okay. I, I stay focused on my gear. And, you know, a conversation that I was just having with uh, my girlfriend the other day is one thing that I don't enjoy about the DJing, the whole DJing thing right now, is that it's become a spectacle. Mm. When we played in the clubs back in the 90s, and, and you know we were in a DJ booth up in the corner, yeah, above the us. crowd, yeah. nobody saw us. And now when you're playing, 
you're right there. Everybody's staring at you. And I mean, you could be the best DJ in the world, but if you're not looking up at your crowd, if you're not grooving with them, you know, and moving around a little bit to them, it's kind of boring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So that's just something that, that's a habit that I want to break. It's a hard and, one and to obtain. Break, yeah. You know, cause I mean, for me, like I, I, I kind of teeter back and forth. Like it depends on what I'm playing. It depends on the crowd. Um, and it depends on the venue. It depends on a number of things, but you know, you know, we've talked a lot about like stage presence and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, uh, depending on any number of factors, but I'm the same way. I will either be all into it and, you know, feeding off of the crowd. I mean, I, you've seen me, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there's, there's times where I'm like fist pumping and pointing people and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and feeling everything. And then, you know, just, and then just beating the hell out of the equipment, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah, I'm feeling this and they're feeling me and let's do this. Mm-hmm. It's a synergy type of thing. But then there's others where like I'm the exact same way. I show up, I slip my headphones on, I stare at, you know, the at the gear the whole time and, you know, I might look up and just, you know, kind of scan and you know, every so often and see how things are going. Uh for me, I think it just really depends on the vibe of of the event, but and to your point Tony about it being kind of a spectacle too, like some of that is because everybody's staring at you now. That's, right. That's what I'm saying. Right. You right. used to be up in a corner yeah. or away from everybody. Now it's everybody is staring right yeah. there. Well, now even like the old school raves, like, you know, when people came to see even the top headliners, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago, like, the only people who really stood near the decks were the train spotters. You know, like it was, you know, everybody else. Oh yeah. Frankie bones is playing. Awesome. They know that Frankie's playing, but they're all dancing. Dancing. They're not even looking at it. That's what I was getting at. Like I, as the DJ, I would rather look out and see people facing in all different directions and and rocking out. Instead of staring at you, what's your next move? What are you going to, are you going to get up on the table? You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not like, and I know that sounds like a really kind of like, jaded pretentious kind of thing to say but I, I mean I, I really mean that like when I look out and I see people smiling and dancing and yeah. not looking at me I'm yeah. like yes yeah. yes yes this or is so even, much more fun you know or, or, <laughs> or, or, or even, more comfortable yes. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah or even if they are looking at me like I, you know then okay that that's fine too but yeah, I don't want them to ignore me I don't mean that right, right. no yeah, I'm, I'm, I think there's a balance there that like you know uh, like for me my, my ideal crowd would be you know you'd have the people that know what you're doing right there in the front kind <laughs> Of like eyeballing and you know kind of checking you out and seeing what you're doing but then like everybody else yeah you I know. like the little fist bumps and acknowledgements yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah, cool yeah, yeah. Um, but no it, I mean to Tony's point I mean it, and especially because if you're not you know one of those like alpha personalities that gets on that stage for that kind of admiration or mm-hmm. adoration mm-hmm. or whatever then it can be a very uncomfortable feeling when you're up there and you're just trying to do your thing, but then like you get a little tense or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a little anxious or, you know, whatever it just, you know, it can be a little uncomfortable to know that there's, you know, a hundred, 200, 500, a thousand eyes all on you. And you're like, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, there's countless DJs, countless, countless, countless. I mean, we've had the, I know I've had this conversation with tons of people and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, there's uh, one guy in particular, um, he said, that's why he always wore a hat, 
you know, because then he could just pull his hat down to his eyes and then, you know, do his thing and just kind of, you know, peek Peek up. up. Yeah. Yeah. It can be one of those things that, you know, it's definitely a habit that that you need to get into to to be to not only be receptive to that that kind of attention, but. You know, to also, uh, I don't know, uh, to react to it or to it, it takes some work because it, mm-hmm. it's it is it's a lot easier to just. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, I it's, can sit in my house and, and and play and just groove and dance around and right. like, yeah 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 and then I'm on stage and everybody's staring I'm like. Well, I was just going to say, I'm not, when, when I'm in that situation, I'm not afraid that I'm going to mess up. I'm afraid of my body language and like what I'm, people are seeing me. Like, what if I look weird? How you articulate. Like, what if, you know, because I, I mean, I have like little weird facial tics sometimes, you know, sure, and like, sure, sure. you know, all the weird habits, that, speaking of habits that we all do. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, I'm afraid that I'm going to do something that looks weird or Dude, I'm going like to look like a zombie up there. There's pictures of or, me out there that like just making the stupidest faces. <laughs> like, there's one of my favorites. If Josh Meinhart, aka DJ Joshua J, is, is listening right now, he and I were were tag teaming at a at a rave once, and I don't know why, but I had my shirt off, and this was easily <laughs> eighty pounds ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> and and um, you know, so we're both on this stage, and I don't know what was going on, what track was playing. I'm gonna assume it was a drop, and it was a nasty drop. But like I've got my thumb down, you know, <laughs> arm straight out, thumb down, and I am making the nastiest bass face with <laughs> duck lips kind of thing, like yeah, stank <laughs> face. Right. You're yeah. always afraid that's going to be the picture, <laughs> right? Right, and, exactly. And then somebody ultimately has to put that shit on Facebook or so <laughs> back then it was MySpace, you know, whatever the whatever the social media is, and then everybody's all like, ha hey! ha. This is why I'm stoic. Yeah. <laughs> See, for me, it's kind of weird. Like if I'm doing a show, like at a club, like I, I can't, I, for some reason, I just don't look up because I'm so into what I'm doing yeah. and, and putting out a good product to when, um, when I was, you know, out of the country for a while doing those shows over there. Cause that was the first time I'd ever played out since, I mean, God, 15 years. And I remember like, I heard, you know, I'm sitting there playing my music and, and I see like a hand like kind of flicker in front of me and I look up and it's this girl. She's got like, she's all covered in glitter and she's got a little magic wand and she's, you know, shaking it at me. And I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. And then I got back down in the controller, you know, because I was like, I, I was so focused on doing my thing that I kind of neglected the crowd. And, sure. I, and that's when I realized that I don't look up. But then conversely, if I'm doing like a CrossFit event, like mm-hmm. my head's up the entire time right. and I'm looking at people and I'm engaging them. Sure. And I think it's because I'm more comfortable in the CrossFit Avenue that people mm-hmm. aren't going to know if I make a mistake. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm doing a show, those people are paying good You're money on a stage. Right, right. Um, to, yeah. to receive a particular product. So I feel obligated to be more on point for them versus with the CrossFit stuff. I'm just trying to, you know, get them through the struggle bus. Right. And the same thing with weddings. Those are, you know, I, I, you know, weddings, I look at, you know, really low threshold, you know, low threat. There's not going to be someone up there and then comes and tells me that I suck. <laughs> well, it, it, well, if I don't play the Macarena right now. <laughs> well, it depends. Um, yeah. <laughs> depends on the wedding. But, uh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that story. But um, I think I feel less threatened in those other environments. But like sure. I said, if it's a club, I, you know, I think I have more of a sense of obligation. And mm. that might sound bad, but. That's one of the main reasons I don't scratch in, in, in clubs or outside of my room, mm-hmm. out of, you know, little house party areas or whatever, because I just, 
I all eyes are on you, and I just feel like one little mess up, and you know, thirty people notice, and it's just like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Who do you so, think you are, Jesse Jeff? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and that's <laughs> having fun. Yeah, right, and that's right. one of the main reasons I don't scratch. Mo, got a habit you want to bring in here? Um, or think, one you wish you had, perhaps. Well, Either way, so, something I need to develop. Um, it's just getting outside of my comfort zone, which I think everybody mm. needs to. Um, the comfort zone being that kind of CrossFit type uh, mobile gig or? Uh, one, I'm trying to take on more mobile gigs. Um, more mobile gigs, okay. In a different avenue, but particularly the club piece. Like I actually uh, got asked to help out with a show in a couple of days here. And I'm kind of nervous about it because it's the first time I've ever played out in public here. Uh, but it's one of those venues that we talk about routinely, the uh, EDM Tuesdays, where it's kind of like a open mic, so to speak, mm-hmm. and people can just go there and play out. And the way I look at it, if I suck, okay, well, I'm, no one's paying. So <laughs> I guess it's a lower threshold, but it's also given me the chance to get some practice out in a public forum in front of people I don't know, um, people who don't have to be there. Right. So... Yeah, there's a little bit of anxiety, but yeah, I, I want to grow. I want to be better. Sure. So good answer. Yeah, you know, just yeah. go out and do something different, yeah. unexpected. You know, get out of my basement. And, <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. And go awesome. do a show. So uh, I think everybody can benefit from that. You know, for me, it's doing a show. For other people, it could be learning how to scratch or learning how to mix um, with their in their headsets. You know, I know Dave talks about that a lot. Um, one, th- but also getting out from different genres. You know, if you're just house all day, all night, you know, try mixing some, some trance. Yeah. You know, try doing some mashups, uh, or try doing some producing, or try, you know, learning what your, what your mixer, or your controller can do. Because that's probably safe to say about seventy-five to eighty percent of us don't know the full capacity of the equipment that we have in front oh, yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. because you get to a certain point, and you plateau. But there's like that 15, 20% of stuff that you don't know that it can oh, do. Oh, yeah, there's that if, still that, buttons on the SZ that I have no yeah, idea what they that do. If you, knew, <laughs> if you knew what it could do, like it would just like take you to the next level. But like because you stopped at that point, you don't really know where you left off. So then having to relearn all that stuff. Right. And, you know, I'll openly admit that I've actually paid for a couple of um, courses from uh, some of those bigger vendors out there just to relearn how to use uh, some, of the, some of this equipment and some of the software. And nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I'm totally cool with that, you know, because yeah. I don't know everything. That's for damn sure, and I yeah. just want to get better. So awesome! That's a cool, cool answer. I like that because I mean, you're right. We do get stuck in that kind of comfort zone, and we we've talked about that before, and we dedicated an episode to it. Yeah. And and if we would just explore that that ten or fifteen percent beyond. You know, who knows what it beyond could do for strengths. us? Yeah. And not only can you have fun doing it, but you learn a lot by just. Hey, for instance, in, in my case, one thing that I would like to do is a little bit more um, mashup style, like open format, fast mixing stuff. Yep. Yep. Oh, like you drop know, mixes. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, like I've always focused on the long blend style, and it would be cool to just stop, start, and oh, like yeah. quick, you know, just anything I could do to do those quick transitions just to have some fun with it and to learn you know, even if I don't use those techniques every day, it's something else that's in my arsenal and it's something fun to do. And it's a new kind of gig that I can do. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Trip, you want to bring in our next habit? Uh, 
It, it, I, I know that we've brought this up before, um, and I'm still not even a master at it, but it's definitely something that like I have learned, especially in my later adult life, but schedule, 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 mm. schedule. Like, you know, when you, when you create a routine, then you're creating a habit and habits are hard to break, you know? So the only way you're going to create a routine is if you set up dedicated time to whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Um, so for those that say, you know, a call back to a previous episode, you know, where, you know, people say, I just don't have the time. Well, I bet you do have the time if you, sh- you know, shave you out budget. some Xbox time, some TV yeah. time or whatever. And then just take that time that you would normally be doing X. And even if it's just an hour, hour and a half, two hours a day, whatever, whatever you can afford and put that on your calendar. And even if you don't feel like doing it, get in there and do it or do something or do something related to it. Right. Like, so if you don't feel like, you know, putting together tracks for a, for a a studio mix or whatever, then do something that's related to your brand or to, you know, reaching out to new followers out and out in the interwebs and uh, all that (laughs) stuff, you know, uh, just do dedicate some time and do it regularly, whether you want to or not. And the more you do it, the more it becomes routine, the more routine it, it becomes a habit. And the next thing you know, you're just doing it because it's what you do. You know, that's something that I really want to implement in my, uh, my production, music production, because right. that's one of those things where I, I tend to, I want to make a song. And so I wait until I'm inspired to make right. some kind of something. Right. And the problem with that is you're you're relying entirely on your schedule and your emotional state to determine when you even work on the music. Right. You know what I mean? So um it's not easy to crank out a song when you're not having when you don't have that inspiration. Right. So what I would like to do is is schedule that kind of studio time and use that to create drum loops right. or to uh experiment with um um, uh, synthesis yep. or something that I need to work on that's technical, that's, it's, you know, boring, but necessary. Boring. Yeah. yeah. And, and set it up to where when I'm ready to make a song, I've got all the pieces in place. I've right. got my templates. I, right. There's always something I could be doing. Yeah. And I imagine that if I scheduled an hour a day to sit in the studio and do whatever that eventually songs would start coming out, you know? And, and one thing that helped me with that, um, is, you know, most of our phones and tablets and all of that stuff have, uh, sound recorders on them. So just as, you know, one producer to another, one of the things that's helped me is that, um, I'll use the sound recorder. So then like when I am driving or when I am at work or where, whenever I'm doing something and all of a sudden something gets stuck in my head, whether it's an idea or a riff or something, you know, like, especially when I'm at work, that's when I get hit with the most of them for some (laughs) odd reason, you know, and I'll duck into an empty conference room and I'll be like, do, 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 do. Do 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 you know? <laughs> I 
and then he takes it home and samples it and puts yeah. a beat to it and there's a song. Right. So then when that's I That's nice. That's, that's nice. <laughs> the look on Tony's face right now cuz he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, what what was it called? Beatleet Deet. <laughs> like, you know, so when 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 that kind of inspiration hits you and it sounds ridiculous when you're when you're recording it into, you know, a sound recorder on your phone or whatever, but then when you do have that hour or, or whatever time you've allocated when you do get that time and can dedicate it, then you can take that audio loop and then, you know, try to harness translate that. It. Yeah. Translate it and harness that, that idea again yeah. and try to, you know, regain whatever that, that inspiration was DJing. It takes a, it, it's a little bit different because, you know, we're working with pre-recorded music and loops and, and, and sounds, but it, you know, when you do get those ideas, like, you know, if you're if you're listening to your Spotify playlist or you're listening to your own, you know, library or whatever, oh, this song might sound great, you know, mixed in with this, or this loop might sound awesome with that. Well, you'll forget by the end of the day or by whatever time mm-hmm. you can get into the studio next. Hell, for me, it'll take five minutes to forget. <laughs> right. So, you know, whether it's post-it notes or or audio, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, uh, audio recording, just to record those thoughts when you get them, then that way you can come back and, and revisit them. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't remember their dreams too often, but I had this one semi-lucid dream where I kind of knew I was dreaming, but it was like I was watching a movie. Mm. And there was this soundtrack playing to this whole thing that I had never heard before. So my brain was making it up as I slept. Mm. And the whole time I'm like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. I can't wait to get up. <laughs> And put this to paper, right? Right, right. And and I even kind of came out of it and woke up like, oh man, I'm going to be hearing that melody for days and days. I can't wait. And then like I fell back asleep and wake up and it's gone, gone. Right? <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no. And so there have been times where I have gotten up at four in the morning yeah. and said, yeah. screw it, I need to put the melody down or something. Something. Yeah. Stacy's like, what? you know why you gotta do that in the bed to your phone you can't just go in the next room (laughs) (laughs) along with establishing that type of pattern i think uh it takes roughly 30 days to establish a habit yeah Uh, so or to break one or to break one so you know like trip saying you know i use a a planner yeah Um, Mm -hmm. a good old you know pen and paper i don't try and rely on technology too much because for me, I'm one of those guys where if I write it down, I'll remember it versus if I just yep. type it or something you like that. it sitting there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a passion planner, you know, courtesy of Kilma. She's the one that inspired me to start utilizing that tool. Mm-hmm. And um, I write everything down. I mean, you look in there, it looks like a serial killer wrote through there. <laughs> stuff written sideways. <laughs> sideways. And, 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 you know, <laughs> I, I, I utilize every inch of space on that thing. It's but, all cut out letters from magazines. Yes. <laughs> all the R's are backwards. Um, <laughs> Ray Finkel. <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> but because I know within myself, I can't remember things right. that detailed. You know, I have to write them down and I have to establish a habit. So sure. Uh, for me, leaving music in the cart. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna. That's Trip's baby right there. So I wasn't gonna touch it. But yeah, boy. well, we'll let Trip speak yeah. to it because he, he goes a little further with it. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, that was a that is a habit that I do have that I'm very glad that I have because I right. I bought so many tracks that I never used yeah, because folks, I didn't yeah, do that. Really sit down and listen to this one because this is this is gold right here. No matter how long you've been DJing, utilize this tool. 
Yeah, so I, I started out with I'll add stuff to my cart and then I let it stew. I'll let it sit for a couple of days, go back, see if I still want to buy it right. because the context really matters as far as A, the mood I'm in, B, the type of day, and C, what are the tracks that I listen to before and after this. And when I hear it by itself, sometimes it's vastly different right. perception. So, so what we're talking but, about is uh, Trip has a specific method of purchasing music. Yeah, well, and when we, when we talk about purchasing music, we're talking specifically about MP3s and yeah, digitally, uh, yeah, digitally. Usually, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, just exactly what David said. But I take it a step further, and I pretty much only buy tracks maybe three, four times a year, uh, tops. And um, I'm in a in a space in life and DJing that I can get away with that. Some people, you know prefer to have the hottest stuff as soon as it hits and all of that but um you don't need the latest club jam that came out last week right especially when when i'm doing more underground you know stuff and and you know and and yeah when when you do have the hotter thing or the brand newest thing you know from some of like like if noisia drops the biggest jam or black sun empire drops the biggest jam and drum and bass that week um, okay. Yeah. I'll probably buy it. You know, if it's yeah. part, if it's, if I'm, you know, going shopping that week, but what I typically do is I'll go into Beatport, Juno, wherever. And I, and I do, I load up my cart with whatever sounds good week to week to week to week to week. And then a couple few months later, then I'll come back to it and then do exactly what you said. I'll, I'll go through track for track. I'll usually sort them by genre. That way I'm listening to techno with techno, drum right. and bass with drum and bass and so on. Um, and then, yeah, hear them all in context with each other. And, okay, yeah, do I still like this? Or what was it about this track that I heard that I liked? Or was I just burned out at that point? And, yep, sounds good. Yep, sounds good. You it's, know, that it's sort funny because I've gone back and listened and been like, man, I'm not so sure. Right. But left it anyway and then came back again and remembered the context in which I wanted to use it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should still get this. (laughs) Right, right. So So, sometimes it still works out anyway. Yeah, and and really the only, uh, one of the bigger reasons is that I just don't, I don't dedicate that much of my disposable income to weekly purchases. purchases. Yeah. Um, But by doing it the way that I do it, is that all of the stuff that is typically newer and and hotter, you know, for that week, then, you know, on Beatport it could be a dollar ninety nine, two forty nine. Well by the time I go to buy something three months later, it's a dollar or a dollar forty nine. You know, so when you're buying larger chunks, you know, of music, you know, fifty, hundred tracks at a time, you know, well then, you know, yeah, that can that can really it could save you some money. Save you some money. I don't buy fifty or hundred tracks, you know, by the quarter anymore. I typically buy about 20, you know, it's, it's pretty average on, on, you know, over the course of three months. Um, sometimes if it's a good quarter, maybe 30, but <laughs> <laughs> fire. Yeah, right. Right. But, um, but yeah, so that helps me to, you know, weed out the bullshit that, you know, I just, you know, I, I was burned out and just adding stuff because it sounded like everything else <laughs> or, um, you know, and it helps me save some money and it helps me, you know, really refine my library management and, and really keep only things in my, in my library that I really like. So for me, when I first started digital DJing, I was part of a record pool and that was probably one of the worst things I ever could have done. <laughs> Because that's part of the reason why I have like, like I said, you know, 3000 songs on my, on my laptop, because I would go through 
every week and just listen. And I would just download whatever I thought was hot. But because I had already committed to paying a particular sum of money, it was just like going in and just like taking all the records out of the shop. Right. So that's why I have 85 gigs of music. You know, and that's not good. (laughs) 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 So it was... uh, it was like I had so much freedom, I was overwhelmed, and I and I, I bloated myself. So that really that really was uncool. Uh, but I didn't know any better. For me, I just figured, oh, I'll just join this pool. I'll have access to whatever I want. But then part of the problem I found is that I didn't. Everything that I wanted wasn't in that record pool. Right. So then yeah. I had to find external sources. So now I've committed to <laughs> to X from the pool, and then you're still buying exactly. Stuff so I was spending that, yeah. more money on top of the money I was already spending. So once that it, subscription ran out, it was kind of a of a of a blessing right yeah and so now i'm just kind of like a la carte like you i go to you know beatport or itunes or whatever and just download but since learning about your method uh that i call it the cooling off period right yeah so that way you know i can go back to it you know a week later or a month later and be like okay yeah yeah i'm still gonna stick with that one yep awesome i have it i mean i can bounce mine right off of that really because i hear I listen to tons and tons and tons of songs and I, there's, there's pieces of each of those songs that I like. And when I do play in the way that I do play, I, I can take that piece of that song and I can loop it just because I like that piece. Well, mm. in turn, that makes me buy so many tracks that after I'm done playing, they just sit there. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it, it, again, it feels, fills my hard drive up. It, it just, it's a waste, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, that's one thing that I wish I just don't do, but I hear something and I hear something good in it. And you're like, and I, I need that it. four bars for this <laughs> one set. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, I, and I keep it. And Can I'll, I just I'll, buy pieces of the song? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll play it and then it'll just sit there and then I'll listen to it at another time and the context ask myself, why the hell did I even buy this track? Mm-hmm. You know, because this same bass line is sitting right here in this track. (laughs) (laughs) That's where, you know, one of my New Year's resolutions is, you know, stepping my production game up instead of me having to buy a track because it has a specific sound or a specific loop in it, I can create that myself. Nice. You know? Yeah. So I definitely need to stop buying so much music kind of in a similar vein i i wish that i had this is a habit i don't have at all that i really need to work on is i wish i had a system for organizing records like real (laughs) records like wax my like my collection is yeah you you, you can't see this on the (laughs) podcast but i'm raising my hands up just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i'm i'm very much like the only the only organization that I have to my records right now is that they are separated by genre. Like, and, and, I and have, even I have some of that. It, well, and, <laughs> and that's hard to do because a lot of the records, you know, that we would play it, you know, like, do you do it by the genre of the main 12 inch or, <laughs> or the if B side or if the, you, or do you, because you play the drum and bass remix or the techno remix of the, of mm-hmm. the main track, do you sort it by exactly. that? Like it just, it, it is, it's overwhelming. And there are a couple of, of records that'll be like, there's like a hip hop or R&B song on one side and then there's like 128 BPM house mix on the other side and depending on what I'm doing I'll you do might. one or the other. 
So it's like, oh, where do I look? Where do I look? And the way you got to buy a double. Genres <laughs> cross over anymore. Do you put this in your tech house folder or do you put this in your techno folder? Right, right. You know, it's yeah. just. No, so what, what you do with wax is you buy a double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing yeah, that I. That's going to fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Didn't make you mean to make you spit your coke out. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I started trying to do is to keep a. Uh, like a road case type crate of stuff that I would currently play if I were playing it out. So basically stuff that most fits my DJ sound Sure. and keep that all together, whatever it is, and then organize the rest. But I just haven't really gotten that far. So what instead happens is I have several stacks at all times of records of five or 10 records here and there and And there there and there there. and there. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Um, But kind of along those lines, uh, one thing that uh, a good habit that I've established for myself is these little miniature practice sessions, like 10 to 20 minutes. Mm. This is how I'm learning scratching. Um, And I've talked about this before. The reason I can get away with this is because I kind of have a a common area where I hang out and work and everything anyway out in my garage and my decks are out there. And I spend a lot of time out there. Anytime I walk by and my decks are just there, they're ready to go. Half the time they're on already because I'm already <laughs> listening to music right, and stuff. Right. And so I will just take a break from whatever I'm doing, you know, writing a blog post or working or whatever. I'll just stop and like, I'm going to scratch for a few minutes rather than blocking out hours of time to do it. And I find myself doing that two, three, four times a day mm. and all of a sudden I'm getting a lot better at what, I, you know, for me, which is scratching. This is, might be harder depending on what you're trying to do. You might not be able to cram in a 10-minute practice session for much, sure. but it works for scratching. And so that's what I've been doing. Is practice your cuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shout out Richie Ruftone. Thanks okay. for the battle record. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of the – I mean, I'm still – I have a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. But sure. from where I started at the beginning of this year and some help from Tony and mentorship and that and learning some techniques and stuff, but yeah. just leaving them out and anytime I walk by, just yeah, we can, scratch we can, around, we can, whatever, yeah. do, do some stuff. I. It, it's great. It, it, it's been perfect for me this year because I've been so busy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to schedule any time. I'm kind of going on the opposite of what you were talking about with scheduling. Uh, this is a way to just cram in a little bonus time sure, sure. here and there, you know, yeah. and it's, it's done worlds of difference for me. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Just a little bonus tip there. Yeah. One of the biggest habits that I had to break myself of, which is establishing a new habit anyway, you know, just de facto, is getting away from being effect heavy for the sake of being effect heavy. Mm. Like there's like to what Tony's talking about, you know, he, he has a system where, you know, he grabs loops and then layers on effects and with intent, you know, to go for a specific sound. Whereas very early on, we've joked around about it enough that anybody who was around when I was, you know, playing back then, what did we call me? <laughs> the Flanger King. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so like, and, and that was, you know, it, that was a hard habit to break because, you know, it, whether it's a crutch or whether whatever, until you really get into that habit of doing mixes dry, no effects and, and really perfecting that. And then being able to be happy with that. And then here, yeah, this is kind of how it was really intended. And then you can back off of those effects and then really, you know, just 
slowly bring some of that stuff back in, but do it with intent and not, you know, hit the flanger for eight bars yeah. <laughs> like, and twist the knob, you know, go from dry to wet. Uh, you know, a little more so, subtle. We, did you right. hear me the other night or something? What's that? Did you hear me the other night or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so for me, another habit um, that has, I, I don't know if it's just come with age is living in the moment. Like mm. it was easy when I was, you know, early twenties and just, you know, we were killing it and everybody that I was involved with was killing it and we were traveling and everybody's, you know, just doing all these awesome shows and, you know, and, and because the shows were back to back to back to back to back all the time, I mean, that's, that's what we did. And when you're immersed in it and it's all awesome, but you know, it's easy to take that shit for granted. Mm. And I can tell you from experience now, as I'm creeping up on 40 and I've been crammed into a cubicle the last 12 years, you know, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do for life and, 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 um, and making a living for yourself and, and your family and, and all of that. But the older you get and the more removed you become from it, it's easy to miss all of that or to like look back on everything and be like, man, why didn't I really appreciate that more? Or why did, you know, it, I mean, there's gigs and parties that I don't even remember. People yeah. will bring them up and I'm like, was I there? Well, yeah, you played blah, blah, blah. Physically. You did this awesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's Physically, I was there. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, you know, and it's, it's really easy to like really lose sight and connection with something that you love and, and, and appreciate, you know? So as I'm getting older, every show means everything, mm. you know, like anytime I get the opportunity to get behind the decks, like, even if I'm showing up somewhere and there's like 20 people, you know, am I going to be like this big animated and, you know, whatever? And no, some gigs just aren't like that. But like, especially the the bigger shows, when you get in front of a, a really receptive crowd and you get that synergy, like I make it a point to like really take, even if it's just 30 seconds out of that gig and just really look out at the crowd and, and, and just be part of the party for a minute. Right. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because, you know, when I'm too old to do this, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling my kids, you know, about all of it. And, you know, I, I want to be able to say, yeah, there was this show and that happened. There was this show and that happened. And there was this show and that happened. And not say, yeah, I DJed for 20 years. I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> you know, because no, I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's yeah. a cool point because I mean this this is the passionate DJ podcast right, after right. all. And I mean if you're just if you're not taking a moment to kind of stop and smell the roses, it's it's right. kind of like what are we what are we doing this for? Right, right. You know, I get caught up in that throwing shows. Mm -hmm. I don't get a chance to sit like to I don't ever step back and 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 like. I think that's part of the green velvet in Dayton, or this is this person or that person. <laughs> yeah. that, that's right. part of the pro the promoter's curse. Yeah. I yeah. think is I mean yeah. if you're if you're doing your job and doing it well, you typically don't have time yeah. to enjoy right. it. You don't enjoy <laughs> your own shows. That's yeah. for yeah. that's for damn sure. That's one of the reasons I quit doing shows. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you had a pretty good smile on your face for Wink, though. You yeah. seemed like you enjoyed yeah, that absolutely. one. Absolutely, yeah. Josh Wink. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a good show. So. uh from one of our viewers here, uh, Ion Mechanic Eon. Oh, yeah, that's Glenn. Glenn. Mm -hmm. um, what up, Glenn? He's saying that, uh, you know, he plays a lot of older tracks, but uh, knowing your tracks backward and forward, mm -hmm. um, that's probably something 
I, I can relate to that because like I said, I was new to digital. I just got all this music, all this music, all this music. And I just, and I didn't know all the songs. So like there was sometimes I was playing something and it had a transition and I didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if it had like a really long, uh, you know, drop in it, you know, I didn't know. Right. Um, not knowing how many bars it was going to last or if there's just like silence and there's just nothing but vocals and it's just like silent and yeah. just some like really pretty voicing. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm just as guilty as anybody else for, you know, especially in the digital. Once I, once I switch, once I switched to digital, then I was just as guilty as anybody else. Oh yeah. I just downloaded 10 gigs of new music and (laughs) And I haven't even listened to all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, you know, yeah, I'm just relying on a, on a, on a genre tag on the MP3 (laughs) and like, Oh yeah, this is techno. That's techno. And then, you know, trying to, and, and, you know, if you understand song structure and, and, and phrasing and, and putting everything together, yeah, it's not that difficult to mix two things together. But to your point, you never know what's in between, mm-hmm. you know, the, the incoming 32 and the outgoing 32. 32. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff there in those, like, three to four minutes that, you that know. That can happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you know. Very guilty. I can open up playlist and 40 out of 60 of the songs, I couldn't even tell you right. what it sounds like. Or I know there's something in that song that I liked because I downloaded that song. I bought that song. There's a reason why it's there. Right. The whole gist of the song, and no, I yeah, probably right. couldn't tell you most of it. <laughs> you know? And then even going a step further, like with me doing a lot of the sports things, you know, I try and use clean versions, but sometimes just because it says clean doesn't mean <laughs> it's clean. clean. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes all you have to do is connect the dots, you know, just because they bleep out, you know. But when it talks about, you know, I'm going to do this with this, you know, and you're like, it's really easy to like, oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> Shit, I really shouldn't be playing this at this bingo hall right now. Right. <laughs> Damn you it. said this is a high school dance? Oh, yeah. I have subjected myself to that, you know, just downloading tracks. Because like I said, with the CrossFit stuff, sometimes I do take requests. And then I'll be like, well, I'll play it if I have a clean version. I've inadvertently downloaded a clean version, but there's mm. still a couple you know, mm. words in there. Right, right. And I'm like, Shit. subjective a clean version exactly (laughs) um and if there's one more thing that i can put out there's a a habit that i wish i would have started doing years and years and years ago um wearing earplugs yeah um good all of you younger generation kids that are out there um every event is getting louder and louder and louder the the equipment the speakers everything's getting louder than even what we've dealt with yes and i i over the last uh roughly 15 months or so i've obtained tinnitus tinnitus whatever you want to call it if you don't know what that is um the short version right the short (laughs) version um when you leave a loud show and your ears are ringing imagine that never going away there's no cure for it protect your ears and even and even to another degree like it's not just a ringing in your ears it's it's Uh, it's at such a low annoying annoying volume or frequency yeah and it's and it's so subtle that like the quiet room is the loudest thing you've ever heard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you're, you know, go. I mean, I don't know how how bad yours is, but like a quiet room is my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Like I can't stand it. It it drives me absolutely bonkers. But as long as I'm in a room With where a there's bit noise, of white noise yeah. even if it's just a fan or or you know some kind of background noise, mm-hmm. anything. But I mean, like literally. Uh, a quiet room is the worst thing in the world for me, and it, and and it's just so subtle. It's just so subtle. That's, it's just down there in in the depth somewhere that mm-hmm. just 
you know, so, and I know that as it gets worse, it gets louder and it becomes a, a more debilitating thing, mm-hmm. which is why I try to, you know, really watch my hearing as I'm getting older. There is no cure for it. Yeah. Right. And right. for me, you know, DJing plus being in the military, military. Right. lots of loud noises in my profession. Right. <laughs> they say 90, Back boss area all clear. <laughs> 90% of military disabilities from tinnitus from the Iraq war. Yeah was due to tinnitus yes so uh, if i can throw any bit of advice out there and something that i wish i would have done earlier is protect your ears in those loud shows that's something i should be doing now yeah and 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 to that end i mean there's so many options i mean if you're a dj you know they they make you know these very specialized ear monitors that you can get and then they even make these different like um, ear plugs that, you know, you can go as simple as, you know, the little squishy things that you yeah. ram into your ear, or you can actually get these like custom fit things for a couple hundred bucks that, um, that, uh, are designed to attenuate sound, not mm-hmm. just muffle it. So you mm-hmm. can put these things in and they work in reverse of a, a, like a hearing aid, but in the other direction. You can still hear the sounds really, really good, but just, everything just turned is down turned down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so you. you know, I, I, I mean, don't think that you're sacrificing quality the good show right just by being safe. bass frequency right. you don't need to hear anyway you just want to feel it feel it yeah. right right you know yeah yeah and I, that's, I, I totally agree that's a that's a really good point i wish me. we had a, a good sponsor for for that as somebody who who is doing those custom because i, I think that's so important and yeah. i would love to to promote you know that ear protection that thing because that's yeah. yeah i mean that's yeah. not something that people focus on enough and that's right it is. I mean, you it go doesn't to, just affect the DJs; it affects the crowd everybody, and everybody who's right. involved. Well, right. When we have some of these shows, you know, the uh, excision. Uh, we just did a show called Safe and Sound, which was sponsored by PK, and you're talking three, four hundred thousand watts. Like I was going to say, what's the executioner massive, up to now? <laughs> massive <laughs> amounts of, of, yeah. of sound. I remember and these kids are standing directly right in front, in front of the speakers, of it, yeah. and they don't realize. And it's not even just that; it's it's. The headphones that we use, you know, ev- like everything, everything. And remember, remember back in the, the late nineties or mid nineties, and and I don't remember which track it was, but like there was like a a little uh, warning, like no, it was just like a little like vocal stab in there, and it goes fifty thousand watts, watts of power. Yeah. And now it's like That's I got fifty thousand watts in my phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> or not a Carl? I think that was a Carl. No, Cox. no, was it? I have I have the record. It's uh, funkin'. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hard house song. I can't think. Yeah. No, Tommy's going to kill when me. It's his about, record. <laughs> we're talking about hearing protection. Uh, there's a couple of times where I've used uh, in-ear buds uh, for to, to monitor with, and I bought these uh, Comply earphones, mm-hmm. and basically they're just like the ones you squeeze. But okay. uh, they kind of – the one thing I did notice about it is like I couldn't hear anything outside of my headphones when I had both ears plugged in, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're able to cue mix – so that way I could hear both sides of what was going on. Right. We got something from Reginald Davenport. Hey, Reggie. Hey, Reggie. DJ Purple. Yeah. And he was talking about contracts, and he was saying one of the things he wished he had done is always to work off a contract. Um, it shows professionalism, which I totally agree with. And if the word gets out, then down the line you'll be able to secure you know, more yeah, more positive gigs, and I, and Kilma talked about that. Yeah, we. I was gonna say we discussed that a little bit. I think I think it depends on what you're doing because a lot of the the nightclub-y stuff, especially at a more local level, is very 
give and take, mm-hmm. yeah. grassrootsy right. kind of thing that scratch nobody scratch my back, scratch your back yeah. type of yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think there are, there are cases where that's extremely important, and that uh, to his point, I mean, that's definitely something I wish I had the habit of doing because yeah. I never have a contract. And, and for me, uh, I'll use contracts if it's like a corporate gig, mm-hmm. but like for my fitness stuff. You know, I've been working with these people for so long that they know what I bring and right. I understand their expectations that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still part is part of my professional income. Right. You know, so that all gets recorded. You know, I provide them an invoice and everything. But as far as like down down and dirty contract, like I would just reserve that for corporate. Sure. Just as a quick interjection here for those who are wondering where this uh, uh, listener input's coming from, uh, from Glenn and DJ Purple. Good to hear from you guys. We've been experimenting a little bit with live streaming. So those of you on the live stream, hey, good to hear you. Good to see you. We're uh, we're playing with that a little bit. We don't have like a specific schedule for live streaming yet, but we are occasionally streaming them. So if you want to catch the streams, you're just going to have to follow us at facebook.com forward slash passionate DJ. And if we happen to be recording, you could submit your questions or comments or whatever, and Mr. Modingo will be receiving them. So... This guy right here. This guy. <laughs> if you're on the stream, you can see him. This guy. <laughs> this, this, this guy. Um, we're probably coming to the end of our session here. Is there any uh, final habits or thoughts anybody wants to bring up? I think I've gone through all mine. Yeah. I think uh, just just commit. You know, uh, if you say you want to play a show, go find a show to go play. You know, and if you don't know how to do that, if there's no scene in your area, message us. We'll we'll tell you our thoughts on how to create a scene. Dave talks extensively about that in some of the earlier episodes. You know, just do it. You know, what's the worst thing that happens? Just yep. do it. Live it, love it. Stay passionate about it. That's yeah. right. Yep. And if I could put in another quick plug, check out our Instagram page. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Instagram.com forward slash passionate DJ or just follow at passionate DJ from your phone. Um, Lots of fun over there and lots of unique pictures and stuff. Yeah, that you're getting sneaky you with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you didn't know that was on there? <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I'm always sneaking behind the scenes shots and cool photos and stuff. And it's all unique. Well, most of it's unique to Instagram, so you can't find it uh, on any of our other channels. So go check it out. And we will see you guys next time for our special holiday and New Year's episodes Woo-hoo! of the Passionate DJ yeah, Podcast. Yeah. Gonna have some fun with that. That's right. Yeah. Take care guys easy later thanks for listening to the passionate dj podcast at www.passionatedj.com check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate dj or on twitter at dj with passion and always remember to keep on spinning Rewind. Rewind. Come selector. I'm not used to recording out of order. Uh, Glad you caught that. We're live. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. So. Um, I saw some news about SFX maybe like coming back from the grave and. and